Jessica Kim, and welcome to the I Am Not Alone podcast, where we dive deep into the personal, professional, cultural, and systemic changes that will redefine the way we care for one another. So this week's episode is near and dear to me. I asked one of my very best friends, Christine, to come on and share her recent, and to be honest, turbulent care journey. I'm so grateful to her for sharing this with all of us. It is raw, honest, deeply inspiring, and a story we can each learn something from. (sighs) Okay, I've been wanting to do this interview for months now. This is such a special conversation with one of my closest and dearest friends. Her name is Christine Gutierrez, and we have coined our friendship as being soul girls for life. <laughs> soul girls. You know, we met 18 years ago at business school where she stood by my side in the ER all night. That's a story for another day. Um, but she was also my co-founder of my previous startup venture, Babaco. And she has become one of the closest people in my life, the person who knows all my dirty secrets and holds me up in the most vulnerable moments. She is also a brilliant operator, entrepreneur, business boss lady who has an incredible, fun-loving family. Um, And as we were all going through the height of the pandemic last year, she gets diagnosed with breast cancer and her whole family gets COVID. She is here to tell her story. She'll share her reflections of wisdom, and you'll just see that the way she just authentically lives will inspire us to do the same. So Christine, thank you for being here. What a heartwarming and heartfelt intro. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited for our community to connect with you. Um, But let's let's start with giving everyone a bit of context. Uh, Tell us who you are, about your family. Give us an overview of just your whole journey, however you want to tell it. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, Just sort of as a as a background, you know, Ayana Care was such a big part of of our journey. So I am so grateful for this opportunity to help and give back and just be able to tell our story and hopefully it'll help somebody else out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as a way of background, um, as Jessica said, we met almost 18 years ago, but I am pretty much a Chicago native. I've been here since grade school and we have three um, young boys age mm. 11, um, 13 and seven years old. So I am a full-time working mom to, to get into sort of the, the, the meaty part of this, um, of the health journey, um, last year, just like everybody else, we were trying to keep our health up, you know, th- throughout the pandemic, we had said, um, when, when we started to see a few people get COVID and we had said, you know, if we get it, um, it'll be fine because we're so healthy and we're going to be able to battle through that. Um, so thankfully last year, um, my hosp- my doctor's office, they were still, they started to start, um, take in, um, appointments again for mammograms. And so I was already delayed a few months since they had stopped doing that during the summer. Um, what, that's when I was really due to, to get mine. And as soon as the appointments opened up, I scheduled it. Um, and you never forget that that day 
And for me, that was November 16, 2020, <laughs> when yeah. your doctor calls you and tells you, unfortunately, the results were not benign. So that's really when this whole thing started. And um, honestly, the first person I called was Jessica. Mm. And I, I just, um, I think because I knew that she has, you know, good or bad, she has had to listen through a lot of people's anguish and journey and challenges. And I just, I knew that she would know how to, how to, um, I, I mean, it, it sounds weird, but how to react, you know, and, and in mm-hmm. the most appropriate way that would not make me feel like, even in, because even though she had heard probably multiple stories from people um, and their challenges given her line of work, I just knew she wasn't going to say like, don't worry about it. She never minimized it, but that was the moment where I just remember thinking like, this is, this is life changing. And so, um, so that's really when, when that whole started and then, um, you know, we're battling through it, just trying to figure out, you know, making appointments to, to do more discovery. And then two weeks later it's Thanksgiving. And, um, the week after that, we all start not to feel well in the house. Um, and unfortunately, you know, my, my husband had seen some friends who had come in um, during the Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, people were excited to see each other. Maybe yeah. there was just some. And, and I think back then, too, getting COVID was really taboo. Um, and now I've heard multiple stories about, you know, people where as careful as you can be, so, yeah. sometimes it just happens. And so um, so we, we all end up getting COVID. And um, and it's it's not just a mild case of COVID. And and as we had thought we would get through it because we're, we're so healthy. But my husband, this model of fitness um, actually ends up in the ER. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, he, he ended up in the hospital for four days, you know, hooked up to oxygen and um, steroids and all that jazz. I mean, at that point, too, we were really, at, at the end of the day, grateful, um, blessed that um, he got COVID later in the stages of treatment because they knew they, they had a protocol by that point you know, by, um, by winter of last year. So, so he was out, um, he was there for four days and then came home and then, you know, we can talk a little bit more later about that recovery journey, but, um, it didn't stop at the hospital. So when he came home, there was obviously care at home and, um, that didn't go that smoothly, um, at first and it was challenging. Um, but why was it challenging? Was it because he, he was really sick. I mean, I remember, I mean, just to, I don't know, add to everything that you're saying. He is so strong. He's so healthy. I mean, he would blow off a cold faster than anyone. And so this was really shocking for you and for everybody. And so when he gets, they they were like, okay, this is what you have. Now go home. And here you are with this new diagnosis. So there's all that going on. And then, so when you say it was really hard recovery, break that down for us. Like what, what were some of the hard things about it? Yeah, I think one of the main things was that he was was the disconnect between um, what the hospital said he needed to do at home and what what when I when I talked to them versus what they had given him when his discharge. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's I know that that's a huge opportunity out there in terms of just consistency of at home care, um, because I, you know, I recall they when, when the nurse said we're going to release him and here are the things that you need to, to do when when he gets home. And then when he got home, he said, I just want to sleep and rest. And I, and I remember thinking, you need to move around. There's like blood clot. 
risks and all this stuff. Um, and he was really almost furious that um, there's all there was that like sort of mental and emotional toll on him too of feeling like I should I should I should have taken I, I should be able to take care of myself. And also the guilt, I think, that he brought it into the family and that we were going through this knowing right. that two weeks prior, you know, I had just gotten this unfortunate news as well. And so I think all of that played into his mental state and his his um, will to recover, really. And um, it was it was it was jarring in many ways because one, we were all sick and then. And, and two, he just, he, he was, I joke around with people now, he's just the worst patient in terms of, <laughs> of, um, of abiding by some of those instructions. And even his mom, who's again, a former nurse would call and give some advice. And, um, he did not take kindly to some of that advice, you know, as, as we all know, sometimes we don't listen to the people that we love. So you're at this point with your family at where here you are, new diagnosis, everyone gets sick. Okay, Glenn turns around. But this is a point where you're like, okay, like what will support look like? And just for context, you we all have that friend in our group who everyone just loves. I mean, you're always there for everybody. You're kind of, you are their glue. You make it fun. You listen to everybody. It's It really is that glue. Um, but then here you are now the recipient or the person that needs the care. So... Was it easy for you? I mean, people would just think, oh, yeah, everyone loves you. You've been there for everybody. Everyone's just going to show up. This is so easy. Tell us a little bit about what that support was like as you then go through the actual breast cancer part of that journey. So because I remember that was a turning point, though, right? Because you got the diagnosis. You told a few of us. And then the COVID hit and we're like, okay, this is enough. Like, what can we do? What should we do? but we know you're so capable and you are that strong caregiver that so many people identify with, but here you are now you need help. So tell us what that was like. Yeah. I mean, um, I think you hit on a, a lot of things there and I know that in your discovery of this space as well, you've, you've hit on, um, you encounter the word burden a lot. Right. And so as much as we are so willing to be there for others when it's turned around, you feel not deserving or like a burden. And so, um, yeah, I I had all those feelings Mm -hmm. um, right away, even in the discovery period, as as you say, when when I first found out and there's just, that period of uncertainty is is truly the hardest um, in my opinion, at least for, for my personal journey. And I recall having to make appointments just for consultations and, um, just some other minor procedures and I didn't want to ask anybody to take me because I thought well especially so let me tell you um, a quick story another layer to this as well and you know this but for the audience is that during the holidays um, my family from the Philippines decided to stay with us for eight weeks and so um, not only did we have our family of five but we had four additional people um, staying at the house uh, for the holidays, and so, so my sister-in-law was was living with us, and she had offered to come to my breast consultation with me. And um, at that point, is it's still today, um, they actually don't really allow other people in in the room with you. And so I said, you know, you can't even come in with me anyway. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You'll, you know. And she said, well. And then she kept saying, do you want me to come with you? 
And then um, in, in my hospital, I, I go to Northwestern downtown here in Chicago, and it's in the middle of Streeterville where there's a ton of shops, Michigan Avenue, Mag Mile. And so I said, well, I guess if, if you want to come, then you can go shopping on the Mag Mile. And I tried to iterate like, oh, okay, cause, because there's a benefit for you, sure, come. You know, like it's not really for me. So, so yeah, why don't you come because then you, you can do that. And, she said, and then again, she said, do you want me to come with you? And I just kept saying, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And so um, we separate in the house at that point. And I remember she just, she just texts me from the basement where she's, where she's staying. And she said, I've decided I'm coming with you. Mm. And I just started to bawl, mm. just started to cry because I didn't even know I wanted it. But I did. I, I wanted her to come with me. And it was, it, that was for me a turning point too when I realized that Sometimes you don't know what you what you need until you get it. And and I remember telling this story to Jessica and she said to me, you know, why don't you just say yes? Why don't you let people love you? They want to love you and there are different ways they want to show that. And so you got to let them you got to let them do it. Yeah. And and I and I think that that resonated with me both both the like realization that there are some things that, yeah, I don't even realize I, I need it. And then to just start to break down the barrier of letting people in, in, in on the journey, because it filled my cup as well when I, when I was doing that. Mm. And so, I mean, that, that's, I, I, I just recall that. And, and then, and then like you said, when, um, when then, when the COVID hit, um, and I remember, I think you had suggested maybe like, why don't you open up an Ayana Care page? Why don't you, why don't you um, get a care team? And, and in my mind, I was like, this is not that serious. Mm. It's fine. Um, and then when the COVID hit and you just said, I'm, we're doing this for you. You know, Rachel and I will be your care team since typically it would probably be Glenn um, as my husband, but he's sick too. So we're stepping up for you and we're going to do this. And that too, I didn't know I needed it until it was presented to me and it happened. And that was an unlocking of another piece of this journey and this healing that I wouldn't have otherwise known to, 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 to like that I didn't know I needed until it happened. Totally. I think you hit upon such a key thing that's so, so common. There's something in the way we were brought up or our culture or something's ingrained that it's it's just so hard for us to receive help. It's actually easier to give help. And so it's the same concept of vulnerability is strength. You know, it, it actually takes a lot of strength to say, yes, okay, come with me. Yes, I will receive help, right? And then in that, it's like you do get stronger. And um, and then also it's just, I mean, that's a whole just show up is like, you know, all the supporters or people, people will keep saying no, but just like, just go, just show up, just start it, <laughs> just be there. But then, I mean, to go into the next thing, I will say that I'm so proud of you because I know it's hard for you and you are typically the giver and the provider, but you re not only received the help, but you owned it. Like you updated people, you shared your heart. We all learned and dug into your journey, but that was because you shared it. And if you didn't share in the way that you did, one, we wouldn't even know what was happening or how to love you or support you. And so that was so critical that, you know, I talked to a lot of, I mean, your team, first of all, you were like, okay, maybe we started with like six. And then I was shocked. It grew to 117 people. 
<laughs> and, you know, so many people have just said how in your sharing and vulnerability, how strong you were and how that has inspired them. And so anyways, I'm just so proud of you because that that is, you know, that is the that that is key. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and honestly, the platform allowed for that vulnerability because I, I think as, as much as you know 117 people sounds like it's crazy but my you know we have big families and we have you know just multiple friend groups like that different phases of life and so um, I I also felt like the platform allowed us to really handpick who would be a part of that and um, I did eventually you know um, after my surgery share on more public social media what was going on but but this it, it was it was this like raw form of being able to say, okay, these are my trusted close friends and family that I know will not judge me, that will provide that joy and encouragement throughout the journey. Because at the end of the day, especially during COVID, um, there were you know people could help from afar, from the, from a distance, and they and they did as much as they could, whether it was. It was there were so many packages coming to our <laughs> to our home of just um, food and gifts and just like care packages for our children to distract them and um, virtual playdates and just people were reaching out from afar. But the platform really helped us coordinate all that and and also the the updating too. Um, I think I said earlier that I, I realized how much it it was fulfilling to or it just it, it helped. Um, with the journey and the healing when I did let people in, but having to do that multiple times as well was just, it got exhausting. And I, and I do remember um, one of my mom friends from, from our boys school, she offered, she said, you know, if this is really exhausting for you, um, if you want, I can, I can be the point person to update the school moms. Mm. Um, if, if, and I thought that was like a really interesting uh, offer and way to help. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so Ayana care kind of became that source for everything, but, but that, but, you know, she, she spoke to uh, the understanding that like, like, yes, I know that everybody wants to help, but it's also, it can be a little bit, um, exhausting to ask for it or to update everybody and again and again. And so again, the platform helped so much in removing some of those barriers and challenges. So was it like, did anything surprise you about yourself as you were sharing or as you went through the journey, um, whether it just you and your journey or the way you've kind of interacted with the people who loved and support you? Is there is there anything that surprised you? Either you were more open or you were more closed or I don't know, anything that you went from this to that during this journey? I mean, I, um, I do think that I mean, in general, um, if you know me, I will share everything with you. Like if we're close, I'm I'm a pretty much an open book. But um, but I do that much more sort of face to face. And so to to do, I think it, it surprised me that when I would message or text or get like a virtual hug, mm -hmm. um, how much that would like get me that would encourage me even more. Um, so I, I do remember that. So the, the, the morning of my surgery, um, February 19th, I was, so I, I didn't know that my husband had asked, you know, everybody pretty much on the app, um, to create a little video hug. Mm -hmm. And so he compiled 
a bunch of videos from um, everybody that was able to submit and showed it to me a few hours before my surgery. And I, I recall just, I, I mean, I was so surprised and so touched. And I just remember after the first like three videos, I was just bawling my eyes out, at, you know, watching this. And he, and he, I remember him being really worried, like, this is not the reaction that I thought was going to happen. Are you going to be okay? And I was like, you know what? I know all these people. It's like, I, I felt like I was in, in a race, like a marathon or, or like an Ironman and somebody and everybody was at that finish line cheering Aww. for me. And that's, that's really like the best imagery I could give of, of that feeling of like, I'm, I'm running for everybody that's, that's rooting for me and cheering for me. And that, that was surprising to me about how much that meant that like, these short snippets that it just, and, and I remember riding to the hospital and thinking like, I'm good. I am not worried because I know I'm going to make it to that line and everyone's going to be there like cheering me on. Mm. So, wow. That was, I, I remember that moment. I remember when we were driving to the hospital and he was like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. All those messages wow. just like really lifted me up and encouraged me. And I didn't realize throughout this whole thing, how much community would mean, um, and getting through it so oh it's irreplaceable I mean it's you know one of the dynamics that we always talk about is um, when someone's going through a hard time sometimes we don't know what to say right and sometimes we can say things that make that person or we fear that we'll say something that'll make them feel worse or do we have the words or so we often say oh I'm so sorry for your loss oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this and that's it you know because we just want to be safe but like what I think you're saying and what we're realizing so much is like saying nothing at all is the worst thing that you can do, right? If you just like don't, would you agree with that? Like what, like just silence or like what would you, everything you said, like be real, like how, there that is a dynamic. And then I know some people would even hear that and or even the other side of me would be like, yeah, but if saying nothing is better than saying something bad, but then that's the fear. So it's like this vicious cycle. So after going through, what would you say to supporters or how would you now support other people after what you've gone through? Like, how would you, that's such a big challenge for people, but we it see is, how much yeah. it uplifted you. But what if we say the wrong thing? What, what do but you I say? am different too, right? Like what I'm, what I'm realizing too throughout this journey is, you know, well, since, since being diagnosed, um, it's, it's so crazy to me how many people have come out of my immediate like network and circle that I've I've known to have breast cancer or didn't realize that had breast cancer. Um, and so, as I mentioned um, earlier, my sister-in-law, um, unfortunately, was also diagnosed, you know, about two months after I was. And she had a much different journey than me because she actually was diagnosed later stage and had to go through chemo and, you know, the surgery. And now she's going through radiation. Um, and what's interesting is the way she responded to feedback was different from me too. So, so it is, it is tricky. I have to say, you know, in terms of like, cause she said, I'm sick of people. I think at one point, you know, just saying to me, like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be, how are you? And she said, I know they're, they're well-intended, but I don't, I don't want to have to tell them how I am because if I, if I really did, I, 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 you know, I would lose it. So I would say, um, one thing I appreciated was, a ton was there were there were so many friends that I learned from like from you or um actually Rachel Rachel's really good at this our friend Rachel Mizell she would send me um texts and leave me voicemails 
and she would um she and actually my, my friend Meg too would just say like hey I'm just thinking about you don't have to call me back mm. or don't have to text me back um I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you mm. and then it, it didn't feel like the burden of having to update somebody yes. and just knowing that like I'm you're on my mind I'm praying about you if, if that is you know if that's your your way of support um and reaching out, I thought like, and so I, I use that now, especially when I don't know how somebody's going to respond. And then if they want something in return and want to engage, then they, they often will respond back. But just to just to put something out there and say like, I, I don't need anything in return. And I'm not telling you how to feel. I'm not telling you it's going to be okay. I'm just thinking about you. I love that. I love that. You can't lose that way. You can only win and gain and love and give. And so I think just, I think that's such great advice because you're right. That's such a good point. Like everyone is different. And until you really understand their, you know, I love the love language, but even that can change when you're going through something as intense as this, right? So it's just more of like, how can we say something that doesn't require something back? It's, you know, it, it is kind of this burden. How can I say something where it doesn't put the burden on you to respond and it's more for my gain? Like, how are you? Like, you know how you are. So answering that is more for my benefit than yours, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, that's not that's not helpful. It's more of, yeah, how can I love you exactly what Rachel did and just leave it there and be like, no need to respond. I love that. Um, so it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know that through this, I mean, you are have always been such a strong, passionate advocate for whatever you believe in. But what would you say what have you learned what do you want to tell people especially during this month where we want to increase awareness on you know yeah everything I mean um I I wasn't sure how I would feel going into this month honestly because I know that for a lot of women it's like it's a very triggering um and you know I have to I have to say that my journey was more straightforward than others and so I don't have as much like sort of weight um i would have to say just because i, I went straight to surgery um just to give it you know yes, just to give right. people the update like I, I went straight to surgery and my pathology report showed that they were able to get it all i got um oncotype testing which for those who have um have been on this journey understand that it it um tests the likelihood of the cancer coming back and those results came back very very unlikely and so I didn't need any further treatment no more chemo radiation anything like that so really very straightforward and had to just focus on recovery really since the surgery um but um I know that this month is for a lot of other women it's it's not as as comfortable and um I think one thing that I have also really realized and reflected on since then is is especially when I was first diagnosed I remember asking you and other friends, like, what did I do? Like, how could I have prevented this? What what else could I have done? I mean, I, I feel like I live a pretty relatively healthy lifestyle. I, you know, I, I eat pretty well. I don't microwave anything. Like, what's, what else could I have done? And, you know, and then you realize that there are some things in life that it's just inevitable. It's gonna happen. It, it's not anything I did. Um, honestly, if there's anything that I did, it was that I was born a woman mm. because when I really got more knowledge around this and education that it's just, that's the, the statistic is that one in 12 women or one in eight women will get breast cancer. So like I just happened to be one of the lucky 12 and a half percent 
And, you know, some of us have higher risk than others because of certain risk factors. But I, I realized that, like, if it was inevitable for me and there's nothing I could have done, really self-care and early detection were the key in in dictating what that journey was going to look like after actually getting it. And so, so I think that's, like, that's my big, that's one of the big things that I would like to... Um, enforce and I know that that's that's one of the reasons why I finally shared this more publicly on Facebook when I was like you know if this helps somebody else push them to get that mammogram that they've been putting off or I know now that like people um, in our you know in our age group is like going to start to get colonoscopies and things of that sort that um, early detection really is key and and I've talked to certain close friends and family of ours um, of mine that have been afraid to find out um, who maybe have higher risk factors, but they knowing that people in their family have had it and that they they may come up positive for the BRCA gene or whatever that is, they're afraid of what they would do with that information. But I mean, my, you know, my advocacy and my message is that like, if it's going to happen anyway, would you rather get it taken care of or you know, I've seen what it what it looks like when it's stage two, three or four as well. But yeah, early detection is huge. And we think that everyone does it. Um, but especially with the pandemic, when everyone put all of those preventative type of appointments on hold, it's easy to just let the busyness of life take over. And so even with our friend group, you're like, everyone get it. And I think all of us have been like, oh, I set my appointment. I set my appointment. And I think that's what we need to do is even as a community, be each other's accountability to say, go get checked. Like that is the number one factor that could. Um, it really changes, it changes the, the trajectory. trajectory of your journey. Yeah. yeah. And and there were a few people, you know, um, after I had put that on Facebook that actually wrote and said like you pushed me to do this and there were a handful that I was like oh my god like if if that if this message like helped save somebody else like I'm you know or just just push somebody else I mean to to get that appointment it was it's so worth it to share the story yeah I also want to just jump back to something that we talked about um where you went through the surgery, everyone was rallying, you had, you did have this incredible energy that you were the root source of. You're sharing, everyone commenting, sending you these things, just really showing up for you. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, and then you get the surgery and then the results were positive in the sense of, positive in the sense of, oh, it's good news. We think we got it, remission, okay. And then you talk about this lull. And I remember yeah. you calling me. Um, well, first of all, I think the burden came back because you were like, oh, because you still had more surgeries to go. But you acted, it was interesting, you acted that in that moment when you got the news, even though you were completely not healed yet, <laughs> like you were still very raw with stitches. Like I know that journey. Not personally, but I know of that journey. And you were like, thanks, everybody great it like like that marathon kind of race analogy you had which i right. think was a beautiful one but if, if i were to continue that you were like i broke through i'm done and i remember getting that post and it was almost like a final post like thank you everybody i'm good and i was like well that's so interesting because i mean it's great news but there's still so much more 
And like, we want to continue to support you in that. But so tell us a little bit about like, what was your mentality there? And why did you feel like you had to just say, okay, guys, it's done. I'm good. Like unpack that for us a bit. Yeah. No, yeah, I I vividly recall that as well. When I, um, I think um, even going into the surgery, um, I remember my family doing a bunch of like masses because we're Catholic masses and, and prayer groups. And, um, and we had just recently found out about my sister-in-law as well, who was later stage sort of a, you know, um, a more challenging journey. And so I think I was feeling like, this is not that bad in comparison. I know what my, I know what my path is. I understand my, my plan. And so, um, and, and real and I, I do have to say understanding your situation and your plan does give a lot of like sort of assurance at least of, of like what you're going to do about it. And so, um, I also, I already started not to feel deserving at that point, even, even before the surgery of, of just like the outreach and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably my own, my own issue of just always feeling like, let me just, let me just sit in the shadows. It's fine. Let's focus on this event. Let's pray for this instead. Mm. Um, don't worry about me. I got it. And I remember my mom scolding me actually saying like, why do you, why do you think you're not deserving of our prayers? You know? Yeah. And, um, and so I think at, at that point, you know, so go, going through the, the um, recovery after the surgery and finding out the pathology I, I think I had a little bit of that, like, okay, guys, don't worry about me anymore. I've got this. And so I'm going to focus on like somebody else in my life who was going through a harder journey. Cause I felt like I, there was a little bit of survivor's guilt, mm. I think of like, I had cancer light. I mean, mm. what is that? Like, why, why would I do that to myself? Right. But that's what I, that's what was going on, honestly, in my head. Um, and, and, and people being like, well, don't you have to take like hormone therapy I'm like yeah but that's just the pill but you know what it was doing crazy things to my emotional and actually like physical state that I didn't anticipate um but I was like no no I don't want to burden people anymore with this part of the journey um because now this is just this is this is not physical anymore Mm. um and for some reason I I just I didn't feel deserving of like any more like outreach and so um you know I'm and, and, and I know that you had encouraged me to share and, and I did like when I had my, my second, my other surgery. Um, but even then I was tentative too to, to share like, well, do I, you know, should I share this part of this, of this, um, of, of, of my, of my trajectory. But, um, I did. And, and again, it was, it was encouraging as, as you had said it would be, you know, in terms of like people saying like, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you sending me messages but yeah for some reason and that's probably just my own personal issue of not feeling like deserving and a little bit of survivor's guilt because because it was a more straightforward treatment plan Mm. it's yeah I don't know why I would it's not a personal issue like you saying it's you know as if there's something wrong with you I just I, I I think so like I appreciate you sharing that because I think so many people resonate with that and I think it's a, a, a culmination of so many different things I mean if you think about movies or the news or whatever it talks about this one big event and afterwards there's no follow-up and what you realize is that the journey and the healing it, like it, it's a long journey and the you know, support team still wants to be there for you and love you and it's just that we don't talk about it enough right and so I think that's another thing you you shared all of that with 
over 100 people and that has impacted over 100 people plus more and we're going to bring that into our own journeys and in the way that we support other people yeah um, and i think um and i talked to you about this a little bit too but one thing um too was what i realized about going through the cancer and the covid and everybody helping you know, as horrible and awful as that time was, there was something so comforting um, about hearing from everyone mm-hmm. as well. That was like, it was this weird paradox in my head that I was, I was thinking like, it's so unfortunate that it takes sometimes these events for us to connect. But I felt so connected to mm-hmm. everybody. And, um, and when I did that, I, you know, when I cut myself off at that point and said like, I'm done... I miss those connections, but I, I think, and I also think I had a little bit of guilt of missing the connection from the, from the disease of saying like, I miss people reaching out to me because I was sick or so then I was thinking like, I should just be grateful that I'm not sick anymore. And so I shouldn't, I shouldn't need the connection. Um, so it was like this weird space mentally and emotionally to feel like, did I only like it? Did I like being sick because of the connection? Like, of course not. But like, did I enjoy the connections? Yes. And and that's okay. You know, and and being okay with all those like ands that you uh, have have yes. said to me as well. Um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. But but it is, you know, it is like a it's a whole challenge to get through and sort through all those emotions and figuring out what's like, what do I feel bad about? And, and I probably none of it but like it's it's all going on at the same time yeah no all the ands like you can be strong and vulnerable you could be you know you can be grateful and needing still that support you know um and yeah so I thought that was really interesting I I would love to you I remember you sending me this uh article or video about that lull and I think that is never talked about and so I learned from you about that and I shared it with our team. And so I would love to link that up um, to, to this. Uh, but I guess as we end our time, I would just, I mean, there's so much we could talk about and um, I would just love to hear what does I am not alone care mean to you? I mean, you know, that is the crux of um, what we always talk about. It's the heart of why we build what we build. Um, but sometimes it could be very intangible to see like, what does that really mean? So however you define it, what does I am not alone mean to you? Um, I mean, what, what I keep going back to is that the importance of, I, I didn't realize the importance that community would really play in, in going and, and healing and just going through this journey. Because I do believe that despite everything, I mean, um, nobody deserves, nobody deserves this. Right. But I do believe that like I was equipped to handle it physically and that we would have gotten through it, um, alone, but the community piece of it is what made that journey joyful in some ways. Mm. And, and just knowing like, I mean, you know, as I had described earlier with the videos and feeling like like you know your mental your mental state also um plays so much into the recovery and so knowing that everybody was just lifting me up throughout all that pushing me through running by my side 
whatever it was to get to that finish line, that community piece of it made that journey so much more fruitful and, and really eased my way into the finish line. And so for me, that's, that's what it means. Like I, I know I wasn't alone. My community helped me get to that line and, and Ayana Care truly helped me, um, truly helped us handpick who was going to be a part of that community. And I think that that allowed all of the, all the stuff we were talking about, the vulnerability, the sharing, you know, as soon as I opened up that door, I knew that these people would never judge me, would never um, think that I was seeking attention or that I was overblowing things, that these people truly were there to help and lift me up and wanted to see me, see us through this. And, and, and like, and I want to love these people for a much longer time. And, and they wanted to do the same for me. And so just that, that aspect of it, that's, that's what it means. Cause I've truly never felt alone throughout this journey because of you and, and, you know, and the platform allowed for, for that to flourish. So, um, yeah, that's what it means to me. Mm, It's beautiful. Well, I mean, it's so true that when people go through very intense, hard times, you truly see someone's character. And watching you um, go through all of this uh, just was just truly inspiring and incredible. And it taught me a lot. It taught all of us a lot. You are so overwhelmingly deserving. We... Um, just love you so much and I think you even sharing your story here in such a vulnerable articulate and authentic way is going to teach so many people just how we can show up for each other but even more importantly how we can receive love that people want to give and so Christine thank you so much I am so grateful for who you are and who you are in my life and now I'm so excited that I can share you with the world <laughs> um you represent so much and um yeah grateful thank for you. you for having me and again if you know if if the message at all can help others whether that's emotional or just pushing them to make sure that they self-care um then I'm happy to do it. So thank you for thank you so much for having me. Love you, girl. Soul girl for Love life. Thank you. I am so proud to share Christine's journey with all of you. She is such a light in my life, and I'm sure she is now one in yours. If you can take anything away from her story, I hope that it is the message that we are all worthy of support, no matter the diagnosis, the circumstances, or the voices in your head telling us that we should just feel like a burden. We know we've all had similar experiences and feelings throughout our own journeys. I know you're out there, so we want to hear yours. Find us on social media at Ionicare to chime in and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.